0: There were six fine English boys Who knew each other in Birmingham They bought a job
1: do this. Welcome everyone. This is another episode of That Record Got Me High. I'm your host Rob Elba. It's great as always having you all with me. I'm talking with someone via Zoom all the way in California, but Jeff's great. He's such a good guest that he records himself and he sends it, and it's going <laughs> to sound like we're right here next to each other, and I, I yes. really appreciate that. So I'd like to welcome back to the show uh, a TV writer, television writer, producer, director. You know him from Will & Grace, Friends, Dream On, and many more. If, if, you're, if you have an unnatural obsession with cameras, you should definitely check out his podcast with Gabe Sachs, I Dream of Cameras. Like to welcome back to the show, Mr. Jeff Greenstein. Welcome back to the show, Jeff.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Oh my God, I'm so excited to be back. It's been a year in the making. (laughs) I could not be more thrilled. And,
1: Jeff, I'm just going to say right off the bat I am so excited and happy that you picked of what you picked to talk about for, for many reasons. But the main reason is lately, especially I've been, people have been hitting me with things that I've never heard before. And I got to, yes. you know, and I got to dig in and it's like homework and, you know, and I got to uh, listen. It's like listening homework, but the record Jeff brought, I, these songs, I, I, they're, they're part of my DNA. They're ingrained in me. I, I did for, you know, uh, just for fun, I re-listened, but I didn't have to listen to anything. You know, I, I, Yes. Uh, they yes. were all there. And, and I also did research just because it's fun. And I definitely learned like, things that I never knew, uh, which Same. is always great. Uh, it's, it's just great. I'm just so excited. So tell everyone what we're going to talk
2: about. The record that we are going to discuss today, Rob, the record that got me high, is ELO's Greatest Hits by the Electric Light Orchestra.
1: Awesome. All right, now right off the bat, I'm going to tell those people because I know there's going to be some people that go, "Oh, well, greatest hits compilation. Can you do that? Is that allowed?" First of all, <laughs> if it's a record that got you high, it's allowed. What is it? This isn't some kind of game show where there's prizes and there's rules <laughs> or something. You can do whatever the fuck you want. I can, do, it. We can yes. do the greatest hits. What does it matter? So yes, it is definitely allowed. And uh, and Jeff, I will tell you, it was not. It's not easy for Jeff no. to pick a, re- a
2: record. It was not easy. I went around and around, and I'm not going to talk about the other choices because you told me we may do them at a later date.
1: No, we absolutely will, and eventually, you will. Uh, God willing, we'll we'll both live long enough. We'll get through them all. You know, but yes,
2: exactly. <laughs> but I really, you know, and of course, I, ELO was my first favorite band. Okay, when I stopped listening to Tom Lehrer records, okay, when I got past just listening to comedy albums and the soundtrack to 2001 A Space Odyssey, the first band I got excited about was ELO. So when I hit on the idea of doing them for your show, I was like, what album? And I thought, New World Record, Out of the Blue. What is it? Discovery. What is it going to be? I went around and around, and I ultimately decided, and we're going to talk about this, I hope, they are a singles band. Oh, yeah. At their best. They are a singles band, and some of the albums are great, and we can talk about that, but like, I ultimately decided that the best snapshot of the greatness of ELO is just a rundown of their hit singles, and this compilation, which came out in 79, is a pretty good, but not perfect, encapsulation of what ELO, the singles band, could do.
1: Right, right. Yeah, yeah, because there are some things missing, and it's weird, because there's some things missing that could have been on it, really, right? Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. But all right, Well, so, I hope we will get to that, <laughs> well, yes. Well, of
1: course. We're going to get to anything we want to get to, we'll get to. Uh, ah. Once again, Jeff, there aren't any rules, so we're, we're fine, we're fine. But wh- all right, right. So right off the bat, I'm going to tell you one thing you don't know, that, uh, yeah, I, I eventually became a UGLO fan, but uh, this particular album right here, I first acquired this it, it, in my first foray, because I had more than one, into the uh, Columbia Music Club, 12 albums oh, really? uh, for a penny grift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Great. Great. <laughs> and this was one of the ones I got. And because and, I remembered, I, even at that time, I had heard some of their songs and, and I, oh, I really liked them. And I and, you know, at that time, oh, greatest hits, it's great. You get uh, more bang uh, for the buck that way. And uh, and I got it. And yeah, and, and and I just love this record because yeah, th- that's the way. I mean, yeah, and I have heard. Eventually, I backtrack and I've listened to their other albums. And yeah, there's there's great stuff. And and obviously, um, some albums are really represented by this because there were so many uh, singles on them. But right. this is this is if you're gonna do a a uh, you know if you're gonna talk about ELO, why not just do the singles thing because they were such a great singles band. And uh, yeah, so
2: was this your first uh, ELO record? No, I think actually, if I'm thinking about the first ELO record that I bought... Because, of course, I was aware of them from listening to them on the radio, right, right? right? I think I think when I first became super aware of ELO was when all of those incredible singles from Out of the Blue were on the radio. You know, Sweet Talking Woman, Turn to Stone, Mr. Blue Sky. There were four or five right. singles, depending on what part of the world you were in, yep. that were hits from that album. But the first ELO album I bought was the one right after that called Discovery. Yep. And that's the one, famously, that has Don't Bring Me Down on it.
0: You got me running, going out of my mind. You got me thinking I'm wasting my time bring me
2: down In addition to Shine a Little Love, which was their kind of disco hit, and Last Train to London, and Diary of Horace Wimp, and this record came out actually right before ELO's Greatest Hits did. Right. Um, so it was the... By the way, there's a great bit of trivia that I learned in the course of researching for this podcast. The... The model on the back cover of the Discovery album, the gentleman who's wearing a turban, like vaguely Middle Eastern looking, right, right. is Brad Garrett from Everybody Loves Raymond.
1: No, get out of here.
2: <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. Phenomenal. Phenomenal bit of trivia.
1: I don't know. Do you know, there's more TV trivia coming up uh, that I don't know if you know or not. Oh, I'm very
2: excited. No, (laughs) I may not know. But anyway, so my entry point was the Discovery album, which I bought and I owned and I listened to obsessively. And I was at a summer program in Georgia where I grew up and my roommate I was there in science, my roommate was there in music, and he was a violin player. And so oh, I had okay. a rudimentary ability on the piano, and we started working out ELO songs together. We oh my God! like, <laughs> 14 or 15 years old, and we were, like, figuring out how to play songs together. So I think that, in a lot of ways, was an entry point for me, was falling in love with this band, falling in love with the songs, learning to play them, are all kind of wound, and being a teenager, are all kind of wound together.
1: Right, right. And so I'm just curious, because I know eventually you got into more, like, a a new wave and punk bands and things like that. Did your, like, interest in them sort of wane for a while? Because did you think, oh, well, I can't, like... I like this kind of music
2: now. I I, I can't like this. Would, yeah, did that happen I, to you for I a mean, while? I would say between the ages of like, you know, as I said, in my post-listening to comedy albums phase, right. I got into, <laughs> I remember I went to a summer camp when I was 13 years old and there was a summer camp radio station. And I remember the records that I used to play at this radio station were Boston, Kansas. Right. Uh the right. Eagles. The soundtrack yep. to the movie FM. Time
0: keeps on slipping 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 into the future. Time keeps on slipping 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 into the future.
2: Did have a copy of the Velvet Underground album in their stacks, but I didn't know what the hell it was because it didn't have the name of the band on the cover. Right, right, of course, yeah. It just <laughs> said no Andy, way. we're all in a banana, so I didn't know. It was
1: probably but, uh, too soon for that anyway. <laughs> exactly,
2: too probably a little too soon for me at thirteen. Probably. But so from thirteen to fifteen, it was all this kind of classic rock, pop hits, FM radio, very nineteen seventies, and then I encountered the Ramones' what "Rocket did to that? Russia." Away, talking head 77 and that was like completely turned me around right and so to answer your question i think probably i started listening to elo a little less maybe i wasn't as out about my love of elo to right. all my cool right. new wave friends but and also the band kind of went into decline like they never made a record as good as out of the blue right after out of the blue like discovery is good but remember right after discovery they made Xanadu. A
0: place where nobody dared to go. The love that we came to know. They call it Xanadu.
2: So the decline of the band's artistic uh, fortunes kind of coincided with the rise of my interest in new wave and punk music. Right. So... They eventually, but, but they never left me, Rob. No, they no, They never left me.
1: Me neither. <laughs> me, me neither for sure, but I did, you know, obviously, yeah. And, I, I, and there was a period, which I we'll talk about too, when I really started getting into them again, spurred by something else. Uh, but, yeah. All right, so first thing we got to get out of the way, We you keep calling them a band, and yeah, technically they're a band, but they're a uh, Jeff Lynn. It's basically Jeff yes. Lynne, right?
2: Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the prehistory of the band is that Jeff Lynn joined the the move right and you know wrote do ya while he was still with the move
0: which
2: later became an ELO song and he and Roy Wood had this idea they would do this spin-off project inside of the move, called the Electric Light Orchestra. It was sort of a pun on the BBC Light Orchestra, and the idea was to integrate strings into rock and roll music. Right, There's right. even an ad in a British trade paper saying the new album from The Move is called the Electric Light Orchestra. Like it was a spin-off project. Right, like right, right. when Duran Duran had Arcadia, you know, like a, a little side project inside, or the power station. like. Right, right, and right. so it was originally that, but then... Lynn and Wood had a falling out. And it really became, yes, as you said, it was a Jeff Lynn project. And all of the songs were written by him. There was a rotating cast of... Supporting musicians bevan was like a key guy who had come over with the from him, the move with him right but it right. was really Lynn 's vocals Lynn 's guitar his arrangements his sensibility
1: yeah and and that I guess in a way that's part of the reason because you know what I was thinking about in listening to, in, in listening to these again and obviously you know most everyone knows these songs and they're so great yes. but I feel like for as big a band as they were because they I was reading they sold over 50 million Million uh, records wow. worldwide, so they're a huge band. They're still sometimes thought of as a novelty, as o- almost yes. like a novelty band, and, which is not fair, of course. But I, you know, so I, and I, I don't really know why. Even when in when they had the uh, traveling Wolvers, it was like Jeff Lynne, but I feel like he was sort of like the interloper to them you know you had uh, I think a lot of people thought that right yeah Yeah. and and like yeah okay well he's gonna he's the music guy he's the music director guy whatever but he didn't he he didn't stand among those other giants but then when you when you you know when you go through their singles catalog and listen to these songs it's like
2: why not yeah why why wouldn't he incredible incredible musician incredible song craft tremendous producer I mean, I think that that's a lot of what he brought to the Wilburys, in addition to songwriting, is he produced that album. He produced the Free as a Bird, the Beatles reunion single. He produced George Harrison's Cloud Nine. Like, he became a very, very successful producer for hire because of his skills in the studio. You know, but yeah, I remember when Wilburys came along, everyone was like, who's this fourth guy? Who is he again? Right, right. And, uh... Neglecting the fact that this guy had a pretty impressive track record as well. But yeah, ELO was kind of seen as a weird sort of novelty act. They weren't, I mean, I think a lot of people who are even fans of the band could not pick Jeff Lynne out of a lineup. He right, wasn't, right. Yeah. like, you know, it, it's funny, Rob, I was thinking about There's a famous essay by Chuck Klosterman about Billy Joel, where he talks about the oddness of Billy Joel as an entertainer, because you can experience a Billy Joel song and put yourself in the role of the singer in the song while not thinking at all about Billy Joel. Oh, okay. Whereas when you... When you hear a Bruce Springsteen song or you hear a Carole King song or you hear a Billie Eilish song or you hear a Tupac song like the personality of the performer is so part and parcel of what you experience in the music and that is not true of Yellow Right Lynn no is not a cipher and right, and probably by uh, design, I would say too, because that's yes. just the
1: kind of guy he is. He's the kind of guy that yeah. would rather just hang in the studio and not, you know. You could sort of get that vibe from him when you. I I went down a rabbit hole earlier uh, today, uh, watching videos, some live stuff, and like later later on, he did it. He called it like Jeff Lynn's ELO, and he did some huge shows in England, and it's yeah, just, it's just unbelievable. It's so good. But yeah. uh, he, you could tell he's just a song of uh, craftsman and a, but you know, and that's what he loved, and he wasn't so interested. It didn't doesn't come across that he was so interested in being. No,
2: a, I mean you think about star. how quotable a lot of the musicians of the era are. You know, Pete Townsend interviews, Bob Dylan interviews, right, Bruce right. Springsteen interviews. Can you name a single quote from Jeff Lynne? Like. You just don't think of him as a personality. And it's odd. He treats his vocals as just another instrument. And the words in a lot of ways, I mean, we'll talk about some exceptions as we go through this, because I think there are soulful songs in the ELO catalog, but you don't really think about the man singing them. You don't really think about like, (laughs) did Jeff Lynne, lose a woman and write this song in response to that oh yeah i I don't think about that at all i
1: didn't you're right it's so funny even now usually i go to the lyrics more i mean maybe part part of it is that i probably feel like i knew them all already but yeah there wasn't i didn't think i didn't really even think about it like oh i wonder if this is about a real girl or anything i didn't even
2: care yeah (laughs) it's odd it's very odd and i think it is one of the reasons that the band is oddly easy to dismiss or forget You know, when, like, I remember when Queen went through a huge kind of renaissance, like Queen is either the greatest or second greatest British band of all time, like the Beatles and Queen, right? Or the Rolling Stones, the Who, Queen, the Beatles. Yes. Like, ELO would never be on that list. Right, right. Exactly. You never put them on that list. And it's odd because they, as you said, they sold 50 million records. They had as many hit songs as Queen did, probably more. Right. Yeah. And yet Freddie Mercury is such a personality and such a story that's it. we made yeah. a biopic about him. and Yeah, no one's going to make a biopic about Jeff Lynne. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and uh, it's just, it makes them kind of a strange band to assess artistically.
1: Yep, uh, yeah, that's good. That's that's uh, perfectly stated. And uh, yeah, so let's get into these songs already, these okay. great songs. Uh, it opens up uh, the first track. Every, everyone knows it. Everyone knows all these songs. Let's listen to a little bit of Evil Woman.
0: You made a fool of me. The broken dreams We've got to.
1: Here. This is from Face the yeah. Music, so 1975. So this could have been, could this could have maybe been one of the first ones you heard Entirely on the radio? Possible. Maybe,
2: yeah. I mean, yeah. This was, I guess, their first kind of global hit, right? And Face the Music was the first album in which they started to have like big radio hits which is ironic because Lynn said in interviews when he was starting the band that he didn't even want to release singles right and then all of a sudden like this song this song out of the box I think look it's got some disco flair to it it's like a lot of the songs on this record you can dance to it right and so it's a it, it jumps out of the radio but it also is a great it's got a great swing to it oh yeah you know?
1: and and did you read uh that he sort of and knocked it out on, uh, on the piano like really quickly in the studio. Yeah. They, they decided they needed one more song for the record and he just kind of came up with this amazing. piano thing. And like, yeah, isn't that amazing? And that and just,
2: piano uh, thing, you know, when I told you like me and my friend at that summer program, I learned to play that piano intro. That Did you? <laughs> nice. Like, like that was like when I was teaching myself piano, I had the songbook of ELO's Greatest Hits and I sort of taught myself to play some of this. But it's also got, it's got that great piercing kind of steely Danish guitar hook on the refrain you know it's so good and the the nasty girl backing vocals like he is just such a pop craftsman taking all of these elements from you know disco and billy soul and rock and roll and just throwing them all into one big stew it's really remarkable it is it really
1: is and all right, so this next one, what I was talking about when I said I had a resurgence, probably like a lot of people, I rediscovered my love of this song and the band really, Living Thing, for a um, uh, Boogie Nights, the movie, uh, of course. Uh, and, oh and, and yes, I remember seeing it, and and then the songs playing the credits. I'm going, oh yeah, that's a fucking great song, and I, I yes. want to go home and yep. listen to that again. So let's, let's do a, a little bit of oh. Living Thing.
2: It's so great. It's it's great. And you know, both these songs that you just played have an intro. They have this kind of tin pan alley, really old fashioned idea that you would have a little musical flourish before the proper song kicks in, which is such like a 1930s and and 40s kind of pop song craft idea that you never hear anymore. Right. But like the idea of starting with that that rolling kind of expansive violin and I don't know muted trumpet whatever that is. Yes riff,
1: yeah right it's right. It's so, so um, cool. It, it is it's so cool and I don't know so did, did you read the story at all about how it got in uh No Boogie no Nights? how did it get in Okay so writing director Paul Thomas Anderson really wanted to use it for the end credits but initially Jeff Lynn said he has young daughter. he said I have two young daughters and I have a problem with sex and violence and <laughs> movies. Should I wow. see it? So Paul Thomas Anderson uh, set up a screening for him to see it. And then he said, Jefflin and, and he and he put it in the movie just for Jefflin to see it. And then when the credits rang, Jefflin stood up and said, oh yeah, he said, this movie oh. is a masterpiece, put it in. So uh,
2: It is so great. perfectly deployed in that movie <laughs> exactly. because it's the last shot. It is the hero shot of the movie. right? And that wonderful intro is kind of bubbling yes. and percolating. And then They cut to credits just when the song starts. It is so damn good. It it, it is. And it's a reminder. I'm not surprised, Rob, that it led to a renaissance of interest in this band. Because it reminds you, God, he's so good. Like, there are so many hooks in this thing. Right, right. Exactly. the the like the like stomping sound you know bump 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 it's a live and yes. all those backing vocals don't you do it don't you do-, it's so such a sexy confident song it is and
1: and the one thing also something else I realized that going back to it you don't care like at first it was it was like a novelty oh they got cellos right. and strings but it's not when you listen to them now it, it's not a big deal it's just it, it, they're just in service of the song and you don't really care it, it it's not like a novelty anymore. It's like part right, of the exactly. songs, what
2: the songs need, you know? No, I was going to say, because strings became part of like kind of the disco vernacular, right. like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, that song, right. the, the sound, of, you know, T-S-O-P, the sound of Philadelphia, like that we listen to these songs now and it just sounds like a soul influence. It doesn't sound like a guy grafting strings onto a rock song. It sounds like soul. It sounds like right. what Bowie was doing with like Young Americans. Like it oh, feels yeah. very right. much exactly. in the same exactly. spirit as those songs.
1: And uh, the vocals. Did you uh, did you read? I read which I never knew this. They're uh, the vocals are uncredited, but that's uh, Patty Quattro, which is the sister of
2: Oh yes, Susie Quattro. Yes, Susie. And uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Bree Brandt and Addie Lee, who were all one-time members of the female rock group Fanny, band. great yeah. lost <laughs> female
2: rock band. Right.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. So you know, I, see, I'd never yeah. heard of them, but they're the ones singing like. Like they're those, fantastic those higher and higher
2: parts yeah it's awesome. and they're so good they're so badass like they're just <laughs> exactly. there's an edge to those vocals that again just gives this song this attack and sexiness and confidence that's so infectious. I just, you love it. It's yeah. one of their all-time best songs. It,
1: it is, it is. And uh, yeah, like I said, it, that, what, that's what sent me headfirst back into the D, the, yes. the guys back into yellow. Um, all right, so from, this is 1974, El Dorado. Kind of just like a really sweet sort of ballad yeah. uh, song, but uh, still a great song. Can't get it out of me. With the headphones on, I didn't realize those those voices in the background. Those Ooh, oh yeah, like that. it's like beautiful. Yeah, that, I I feel like I'm is. just noticing that now.
2: You you know you when you listen to these songs, particularly when you hear the singles back to back, his mastery as a producer is unreal. Just these sheens of sound, like these light choral effects that he just layers over things, and it creates such a Stop. sense of atmospherics. Oh yeah. so wonderful. And so advanced. Yeah, know?
1: well, I, you know what? I was going to point out, those drum shots, when it first comes in, when the drums folks come, come in, that's like Steve Albini. It sounds like Steve Albini, what he yeah. was doing in the 90s, that sound, that, that really like sort of dry, uh, you know, yes. uh, uh, drum sound. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. it's
2: great. So, uh, apparently, this was their first song that they recorded with a full 30-piece orchestra. Oh, okay. And yeah. it's the first time they had an adi- You know, they always had a string, pl- string players, right, as part of the band, but this is was the first time they summoned a full orchestra. When I was reading up on this, apparently the reason that Jeff Lynne wrote this song is at this point they had had a couple of hits. And Did you read about this, what his dad said to him? Oh, no, no. His, yeah, his father was a huge classical music fan. And so Lynne grew up in Birmingham with like a house full of records. And his dad was always listening to records. And his father said to him, the trouble with your tunes is they've got no tune. <laughs> and so... He was at the family house in Birmingham, and he's like, I'm going to prove to my dad that I can write a proper song with, like, real song craft. Oh, nice. And so he wrote this song in response and recorded it with a full orchestra as sort of proof, like, look what I can do. Wow, that's amazing. it is, isn't that great? And it is is so different from the two we just played. Like, this is a song, it always reminds me of... uh, can't help falling in love, you know, the Elvis battle. Oh, right, you right, know? right, right. It's it's a slow lyrical, you know Ernest kind of you know, and if the lyrics to this song weren't so weird, you could picture like Tony Bennett singing this song. Oh, right. It does right, yeah, yeah. totally have that like Vegas, like big time ballad, everyone's swaying back and forth. But it's also incredibly weird. It is, like it is. the lyrics are so odd. Like Robin Hood and Lancelot put in an appearance at one point. Right. And <laughs> That's right. there's also, I don't know if you looked at this in on the lyrics sheet, the third line of the Song, it says, "Walking on a wave's chicane." What? Oh, come right. on! It's it's it's, it, but it's not. Come on! It's walking on a wave. She came. Right, right, I, I right, right. Chicane is not a word. Right. Or if it is, it means trick or something. But anyway, just. He's an odd guy, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. some of this weirdness finds its way into the lyrics sometimes, and it's, it's just, I don't know, It makes the, it's part of the fun and the edge of the band.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, right, but yeah, like you said, uh, uh, different, A uh, totally different, completely different, but still great. Yeah. And then this next one, Showdown, uh, also uh, the real early one, I guess... Yes. Um, John Lennon said he was a fan of this song that's and, right uh, yes and, and thought it should have gone to number one and it and it didn't but uh, and there's something else funny about it too but it let's us do a little love show cool <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, what what I hear is I hear Marvin Gaye, you know, and I heard it through oh, the sure. grapevine. So it's like as Definitely. big a uh, Beatles fan, uh, which we haven't even mentioned. I don't know if have we mentioned the Beatles, but obviously he's a huge Beatles fan. Oh, sure. And, and, and they're like Beatles Easter eggs th- in a lot of these songs. But here, like you said, he could use the strings and everything to make Soulful this really... Soulful music, right? That's t- yeah. completely different than the other stuff.
2: Yeah, this has more than a little heard a, heard it through the grapevine. <laughs> yeah. just the just the the burble and shuffle of this feels a lot like heard it through the grapevine. But yeah, it also something about the way the strings are deployed feels kind of western to me. Like, you know, Ennio Morricone. Oh, It okay, has that okay. kind of Western Indian cowboy kind of feel to it. Right. You know, it just, da, 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 da. you know, you kind of get this, like, I don't know, I get this kind of image of Western Plains. He's a big fan of Wild West stuff. There's even a oh, song. Oh, is he really? <laughs> on, yeah, there's even a song on Out of the Blue called Wild West Hero. Oh, Like, right, he's kind right. of obsessed with the iconography of, uh, of the Old West. <laughs> That's great. But, um, One thing I particularly love about this song is I love when he, you know, so many Jeff Lynn vocals are drenched in reverb or multi track or choral effects or whatever. I love when he just uses a dry vocal treatment, like on this one. There's nothing on it on the verse. And so you really get to hear what he sounds like as a singer. And uh, and it's really affecting. Like he, you know, it's interesting when he chooses that. You really start to hear like what the personality of the man is just a little bit. Right, right.
1: Yeah, because he has this very clear, uh, a pleasant voice. You know, when he sings. Yes, and especially when he when he goes to the falsetto, he can go in between sure. the falsetto and the regular. Yeah, yeah. You you rarely hear him push his voice, but he doesn't yeah. really. Have, he doesn't have.
2: That's not what he's about. You know. Yeah, now you mentioned, of course, I mean, it's so funny to get this far into a discussion of ELO and not really talk about their principal inspiration, which was the Beatles' experimentation with strings. Right, right. You know, Penny Lane and I am the walrus. I mean, those are the er ur-texts for what ELO became. I
0: am he as you are, he as you are.
2: of the early ELO tracks really sound like, like 105.38 Overture, they're trying to do their version right, of I right, Am The Walrus, right. you know? And so it is interesting that they lurched out of kind of the kind of pop, kinksy, close harmony song craft. Very few ELO songs sound like that. His influences are Motown and soul and R&B. Yes. That's what yes. I hear most of on these tracks. Right, right. He also says, it's funny in light of the next song you're going to play my heart is turned to stone again oh, like okay. there are certain there are clearly <laughs> imagery that that recurs in the elo canon what right. were you going to say well no i was just going to say and speaking
1: of it but he does he just has this weird quirky side which is definitely turned to stone who would think a song like this would be like a r- radio hit there's so many odd things about it you know and uh first of all it has the fade in the the rare fade yes. in and fade
0: out <laughs> right <laughs> exactly love like, well, it's just an eternal. I know
1: It's just so good, and it's so affecting. But you still, I still feel the uh, detachment. Like when he's singing, "The city streets are empty now," uh, and so the songs are way down low. I, I feel like it's done so well, and it's so well crafted. But I don't know. Uh, does he even mean what he's singing, or is he really? I, st- <laughs> this is, <laughs> like, is one of the
2: weirder songs on this uh, compilation because here, more than anywhere else, you hear the vast disconnect between the sentiment of the lyrics, which is, I miss you. Right. When you're gone, I feel like I'm just, I have turned to stone. I'm nothing. I'm lost. i am And this incredible proggy shuffle. Exactly, it sounds like exactly. a girl group <laughs> Which is great. Song. It's like so upbeat. <laughs> right. And it's like, he's written this incredibly upbeat, buoyant. You could hear like the, you know, the crystals singing a song like this. You That's know, this it. is like a girl group song. It's the disconnect right? though. You're right. That's it Yeah, though. but the right. disconnect is so odd. And it makes you think, does he feel any of the things that he's singing about? It's very strange. It is strange. And it is also easy to forget because we've heard this song. This was, I believe, the first single from... I think it was the first single from Out of the Blue, of the Blue you know, sort yeah. of their magnum opus. We forget how weird this sounded. Oh coming right, out of the exactly. Radio. Yeah, yeah.
1: Especially like, that middle, that middle bridge part with a real quick singing, real quick, and yeah, yeah, without, yeah,
2: yeah. And and that the thrumming bass reminds me of Yes. Like there's a lot of this is where you hear some of those Prague influences, like right. Yes or Genesis in this. Like it, this was an extremely odd song to be coming out of the radio, but his pop sensibilities are. so so finely tuned, like it's always in service to like the ear work, you know, like getting you hooked on the thing.
1: and 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 that's it. And that's why some, I think I'd mentioned, I actually, I had a guest on and I'd mentioned, oh, they said, what's coming up? And I, and I mentioned this. you had just told me about it and he said oh yeah they're they're one of my uh, guilty pleasures and that's it people think of it as yeah. a good but I, I don't know why why does it have to be a, a guilty pleasure you know it's just done it's yeah. like like you said they're like earworms and it's like ear candy but uh, you know that's great isn't that why we want to listen to we, we don't want to just listen to music to uh, to make us angry it is, or <laughs> yeah
2: it is just this side of bubblegum it's just this side. I mean, yeah. as a matter of fact, we're going to play a song two down from this. That just is bubblegum pop. That oh, is right, right, part right, right, of what right, he's right. doing. Part <laughs> of what he's doing. Nothing wrong with that. 96 Tears is bubblegum. There's nothing wrong with that. No, no, there's not. And all
1: right. So talk about weird. Now we got oh. rock aria, which is like, it's it's like brilliant in a way because he's putting he's putting his dual love of like classical music and opera and rock and roll. This one is insane. It's insane. Yeah. It is. Let's listen yeah. to rock
0: aria. <laughs>
2: It's so great! Nuts. It's not. It's it's like a novelty song. I cannot believe this was a single. It, I mean, and yet it's a perfect single.
1: It, it is, and and I, I, I was just thinking, imagining there had to be, there was probably someone in the studio that was like looking, like, going, what the
2: fuck are these guys yeah. doing? Uh, it is. I mean, if you are deep in the weeds on ELO, you probably know that on their second album, ELO two, they did a rock like a classical rock mashup of Rollover Beethoven oh, yeah, by Chuck yeah. Berry which is great. which is very much the same kind of thing where he's <laughs> mashing up da 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 and then it goes into the classic Chuck Berry guitar riff yep uh... Roll Over oh, Beethoven. Tomorrow. So... Having fun with this intersection between classical and rock has always been something he's interested in, but this is literally about teaching an opera singer to sing rock and roll. And, yeah, and the so lyrics are hysterical. She's silly. A,
1: a sweet on Wagner. <laughs> I think she'd die for Beethoven. It, she loves yeah. the way Puccini lays down a tune, and Verdi's always creeping from her
2: room. That's and I brilliant. think he's wise to how absurd it is. Like, oh, yeah, I, I, think I don't so, think any yeah. of this is serious. And the funny thing is, we just heard like we're halfway through this album. We just heard his meanest most rock and roll vocal on this yeah absolutely exactly. this is ridiculous song it, it, it's funny yeah. the most
1: rocking of these singles is the one that has the um opera yeah. singer on it too which by the way how much do you love the beginning uh i guess oh, yes. that's a, that's welsh a soprano mary thomas and she on the first take she mistakenly came in first and said oops and, and of course yes which is it,
2: so good. good i love it I mean, and this is the worst. I mean, I find that unfortunately, this is one of those songs you hear it, and it is such an earworm. It's in your head all oh, day. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like absolutely. it's totally infectious and ridiculous. And that is some <laughs> of the best pop music. It, yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: All right, so uh, this is from Out of the Blue, nineteen seventy-seven. We got Sweet Talking Woman. You know, I wonder, We could talk about it after. I was. I, I always assumed that the Sweet Talking Woman and the Evil Woman were, were could be the same
2: woman. Oh. You know? Yeah. Same gal. Yeah, maybe. Be. Let's listen to some good diagnosis.
0: Good diagnosis. <laughs>
2: I love that backing vocal, the do-do, do <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's so right. good. It is, it's so good. Oh, and the vocoder, come on now. Right, right, the vocoder, any... which did, <laughs> it, um, it, it,
1: it really d- it doesn't need to be in there, but
2: the fact that it's uh, in there just like takes it over the head. That is something that's never coming back, Rob. The vocoder is never, you know, the talk box, maybe, you right, know, right, Peter Frampton, right. yes. maybe that's coming back. The vocoder just pegs this at a specific point in time. This could only be 76, 77. That's so true. But this is a perfect pop song. Like, this oh, is something yeah. you could ear pick candy. up a talk guitar. Talk about ear candy, Yeah. Yeah. It is so good. It is such a perfect pop song that I mean, you probably encountered this in the course of your research. Huey Lewis. Oh my Rick God! Yes. This song. <laughs> I mean, the lyrics are the same. The lyrics are the, the same, and the melody is the same. Yeah. Do,
0: uh, do you it's, believe it's the song? Uncanny- do you believe in love? I was walking.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous. And actually, don't you could well you could blame we listen News, but Robert John Mutt Lang is the one that actually wrote oh, it. Oh yeah, there them. you so go. That's this yeah, is
2: that's but- who we blame. But this is the thing, <laughs> strip away all the production. This is a song you could play on an acoustic guitar and it would sound fantastic. Absolutely. It is just Absolutely. a yeah. banger. It's like what I like about you by the romantics. Yeah. It's one of those Absolutely. kind of songs. It is just a great it's not the chords aren't complicated. It is just a banger. That's it. Right.
1: And and I and I also love how he kind of self references himself when he goes, I was waiting for the operator on the line. And, uh, oh, and here yes. uh, had come out the year before. That's right. And, uh, Very good. About it. Another really, oh, this song, I, I remember when this song would come on the radio and it just had, uh, again, odd kind of an odd feeling sound. And, yeah. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but the beginning of it, I, I noticed this later on. The, uh, all those sounds, those electronic sounds at the beginning always remind me of the sounds at the beginning of the David Bowie song, Andy Warhol.
2: on uh, Oh, Yeah, you know what? Oh, that's a great reference. It reminded me of OMD's Dazzle Ships record. I'm so excited to talk about this one, Rob. It's my favorite.
0: Have you been alright Through all those lonely, 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 lonely loneliness, That's what I'd say I'd tell you everything If you'd pick up that telephone Yeah, yeah, yeah Hey How you feel are you still the same? Don't you realize the things we did, we did? Oh, for real, not a dream I just can't believe
1: I just had to keep playing it. Normally, I don't play clips that long, but I at least had to go to the chorus.
2: There's so much going on.
1: There's so much going on here.
2: This is their finest hour. I really believe this is an absolutely perfect pop song. It is one of the great rock songs of the 70s, and it is by far his finest hour as a vocalist and as a songwriter and producer. This one is a masterpiece. It It, it is is so great. And what you said just now, like... This song takes forever to climb up to that refrain. Right. And when it finds, you know, there's a bridge and a bridge and a bridge that gets you to That's it. the refrain. And when it comes in, it just destroys. It's so good like the craftsmanship of that's getting-
1: it the craftsmanship because it's it's almost the opposite of the song before sweet talking woman you said oh that yes. you could just play that on an acoustic this one you can't really play an acoustic because it needs everything that's in there it's put together and crafted as this just beautiful odd thing piece of music yes. that that has all so much going on yeah that that's uh that's just that he did in in the studio the build
2: of it is so m- just majestic. Like it just takes its time getting to that hook. It is, it's unreal. And like, you know, there's so many lovely little gestures and filigrees in this. Like, yes. apparently the at the very beginning, you know, when his voice is filtered, like it's a telephone. Well, I love. I was going to yeah. say
1: that's that's something yeah. I I love. I always love when the beginning sounds like it could be like a cheap radio,
2: like an AM radio or something. Right. Like they did on "Wish You Were Wish Here." Wish You Were Here. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean I love it too, but apparently Jeff Lynn had the brainwave to do it at the mastering stage. Like oh, the record wow. was done. Oh wow. And so they had to apply that filter at the master, which is unheard of. No. That's amazing. All the little telephone sounds, the the his falsetto is absolutely perfect on this thing. And the doo-wop, that doo-wop, doo-b it's just it is one of the most sublime moments in pop music to me. Blue days, Black nights, perfect. Yeah, it I guess is. that was a Buddy Holly song. I guess that's the name of a Buddy Holly song. This oh, okay. is the first time I had ever heard that. It's a, such a perfect image. And even like the fact that on the refrain, the backing vocal sings the first O on Oh oh yeah yes, telephone yes live. you're right you're so right it's yes. like an it hits like an aftershock. it is so I can't say enough about this thing. It is the best song on an album of greatest hits and I just never get tired of it It's yeah,
1: no, beautiful same movie. same exactly and and uh, one thing in reading about it that I had never thought of, uh, was that they used an American ring For the ring sound it, Oh yes This isn't the British right. one And I That's guess right. uh, But they were and, and this ended up being uh, Their biggest uh, single yeah. In the US And I guess he said They got an American uh, phone number To call the, uh, Where they knew No one would be there <laughs>
2: Exactly yes while. so brilliant, so brilliant. It's the greatest, it's the greatest.: It is it's so good.
1: Uh, all right, so now we have Mama Bell, and I will I, you probably I'm sure you, you know this already, but I was uh, today, not really today years old, you know what people say I was today years old yes. when I learned I, I, I read it a couple of days ago, but that Mark Bolin is playing Unreal. a guitar on this. I had no idea. I-
2: I learned this yesterday. I was oh, yesterday okay, okay, old. Good. But once you know that it's Mark Bolan on co-lead guitar, there's no other way to hear it. Of course, it's T Rex. <laughs> exactly. Of course, it is. Exactly. So good.
1: It's great. Mama, my, ma my, my Bell. <laughs> You're so, you're, you're so absolutely right. Once you know that it's Mark Boland, there's no other way you could. Yeah, to it because it's glam
2: rock. It. I mean, it's it like is. this glam garage rock. It sounds nothing like ELO at the no, top. Like, no. you never, like, just that guitar jumps out of the speakers. It's so damn good. That riff, that D, D sus forward chord change. Right. This is one of the first songs <laughs> I ever learned to play on the guitar because all you got to do is stick your pinky under the D and that you're playing. Great. It's fantastic. It's so good. Which yeah, that that that's that's the other thing I love is you know at
1: the end of the day he's also a big rock and roll fan, you know. He,
2: yeah. He, like loves that yeah, and the song is... I, I defy anyone to tell me what this is about. Like, what is this? The lyrics make no sense. Oh, yeah, no. It's I, I don't know utterly that. meaningless. I don't know what a ma-ma-ma bell is. Yeah, I mean, I I've heard this song countless times. I can't tell you what he's just talking about. It doesn't matter. It is all that muscular guitar riff and just taking the ride of this song. It's so good. It's like, this it is. is like Do Ya, or this is like... Don't Bring Me Down. This is just an elemental rock song. Right. And this is one I kind of uh, forgot
1: about because I didn't you know, and listening to it and then, I, oh yeah, I forgot about that one. But some of them, you know, the ones the, the more quirky ones that get under your skin, you remember more. But I forgot this one a, a banger. It's, it's just yeah.
2: Know, it's and it's the it again, he's such a good producer. You know, you think about a producer in some in terms of someone who lays on track after track after track. This is very simple. Oh but yeah. But yeah. The, like the, the overdriven sound of that guitar to the point where you can hear the fingers gripping the guitar strings on yep. it. Yep. It's so sexy. Like it's so hot. Like you're in that studio. It doesn't sound in any way techie or computerized. It no. feels really primitive no. right, right, right. in a really good way. It is. I love That's that. Great.
1: All right, so now we get uh, "Strange Magic," which, which again, we totally shift gears. Which I yep. guess you know, we're, we're, this is the greatest hits thing, so it's single. So it, 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 it obviously really can shift gears like that. But, uh, but it really, uh, another song that maybe I wouldn't think of right away for them, but it's still just a, a really great single. Let's listen to "Strange Magic." <laughs> I will say for this one, it's that uh, that really pretty guitar figure and the yeah. verses that really do it for me because the cho- the chorus is basically strange magic. It just keeps. <laughs> Yes, repeating I mean, "stranger magic," but th- that's the hero of the song. Is the uh, it's it's so
2: funny, here. Rob? It occurred to me as you were playing that, like, usually in a typical episode of this show, you would be quoting lyrics. And <laughs> yeah, right. Be talk- right. <laughs> this song is. I mean, first of all, it, it, we don't listen to an ELO song for a memorable lyric. It's it is true. something that it's just, just pushes the song forward, and this to me is the most. You know, <laughs> the most notable example this song is barely there right it is Exactly. the exactly. words it's just veils of sound and the words strange magic over and over right. again but still it, really
1: pretty and, and incredibly really pretty an earworm
2: it just has that endless spiraling kind of soulful sound to it and it just unrolls like that you just get caught up in the sway of it and you're that's it. Turn, you know you're firing up your cigarette lighter that's it you know yeah. that that's it, But yeah, but it's he creates these wonderful soundscapes inside a song like this that are yeah, so evocative. He, he really does. He really does. All right. Oh my God, are we at the last track uh, we, on this we, I record? Mean, you know,
1: that's uh, uh, this is how you do it,
2: Jeff. Uh, that's right.
1: All right. right. Obviously, uh, a uh, very Beatles. Oh, but, for sure. You know, I I didn't. I can't admit to discovering this on my own. I read it but the opening piano and drum intro is completely borrowed by the kinks uh, 1968 song uh, do you remember walter off oh. of uh village oh. green preservation society and i will play that and then you, okay. when you listen to the episode you go holy shit yeah wow okay <laughs> that's it. all right great But uh, we we' definitely a lot to d- discuss and I'm back yes. for this uh, masterpiece of a song Mr. Blue Sky.
0: you had to for,
1: you know, I was thinking this song has so many musical and production hooks in it that it's oh, almost yeah. it's it, it's almost not fair to like other songs.
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, this one is a real kitchen sink production. I mean, he is throwing in hooks and earworms left and right. He's got the vocoder. He's got a Swingle Singers (laughs) outro. There's a choral coda. Like, he's throwing it all in there. All that stuff. You know what else this reminds me of? Is a day in the life. I mean, it really, you know, even the panting, the... Oh yeah, that's there, and I think I read.
1: I think uh, Paul McCartney at one point. I think maybe when he first met him, he said, "Ah," and he obviously. I I I know I read John Lennon for sure was a fan, and I think Paul McCartney was a fan because, of course, he can appreciate this. And I think he, and like you said, he ended up uh, doing doing some stuff and working with him. But
2: yeah, Yeah. he said, "Ah, you nicked a little of that from." uh, (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But the thing is, okay, so this is the song. People who don't know ELO know this song. I mean, it was in a Volkswagen commercial. It was in the trailer for Adaptation. This is the song that on classic rock radio you're probably most likely to hear. It's so familiar that it is easy to forget how incredibly radical this thing is. Right, right, exactly, exactly. It's so weird. And even though the melody has this really almost classical precision to it, everything that's thrown into this is so avant-garde. That clang, the filtering, all these effects, and it, it and it comes. By the way, it comes at the end of a sidelong suite on "Out of the Blue" called "Concerto for the Ra- for oh, a Rainy yeah, Day." Oh, that, yeah, that's right, that's right. And so. This, in a lot of ways, resolves a lot of the musical themes that he's used throughout the side. So in addition to being just a great pop song in its own right, it is this wonderful resolution of what has been a 20-minute suite of songs. It's just, it's masterful. The thing that I was thinking about listening to it through this time, you know, Video Killed the Radio Star. Oh, okay, like, for sure. it yeah. kind of, like, it. Ha- the thing is, Video Killed the Radio Star, same thing. It's got the filtered vocal. It's got all of these pop gestures kind of thrown in a blender you know it's it's again new wave was supposed to eliminate like bands like ELO but in a lot of ways like buggles you know that they took a lot of pages from the ELO playbook
1: oh yeah absolutely absolutely and and yeah like you said it has that coda like that false ending and then it comes in with like a a completely different and also catchy, super catchy, but different outro tacked on and then this uh, dramatic, the final orchestral dramatic finale uh, with the piano and all right, so at the end I never realized this till I read it. I don't know if you knew when when they have the uh vocator on the vocals again and, yeah. and Mr. Blue Sky. But at the end I always thought he's saying Mr. Blue Sky, but do you know what he's actually no, saying? What here? is he no,
2: what is please, he
1: saying? Please it's actually please turn me over. Because it oh. was the end of side three, and it was like oh, a little joke great. to say, Please turn me over. Yeah, so oh, that, that's. And I listen so to it, and it's great. like, Oh
2: shit, yeah, he is. He's saying, Please <laughs> turn me fantastic. over. That's fantastic. Didn't put that on the lyric sheet, though, did it? That's uh, fantastic. No, no, no.
1: All right, so here's the one uh, Here's the one thing on this. Do you know the uh, TV connection to this?
2: To this song? No, I don't know the TV connection to this. How okay. exciting.
1: Uh, yes, uh, the office producer, uh, Greg Daniels, wanted to use oh. it as the theme for the American version of oh, the show. Oh, would have
2: been great. But he couldn't. That would have been great.
1: Because there was some stupid, short-lived NBC series called uh, LAX, which starred Heather Locklear and Blair Underwood. Yeah.
2: That already took it. That used it? Wow. I remember that sitcom, by the way. That was a sitcom at the airport. Yeah, you know, there's a rule in producing situation comedy that the space that you create should be kind of an extension of the viewer's living room, and it should be a place where they want to hang out. Like, you think about Cheers, Right? That's a place you want to hang out. You think about even the office on The Office might be a place you want to hang out. Oh, but no, no one, one wants to, to hang, hang, out, at hang at out at an airport. Not at LAX. No one wants to be God, at LAX. Oh, my God, you're so right. I could have told them that when they were developing that thing. <laughs> uh, nope, you don't want to be in an airport. That's hilarious. That would have been a good song for The Office. Of course office. it would Isn't have. Of course it would have. That's great. Really good.
1: Uh, good. I'm glad. And I'm glad we had a TV connection for you. Very and, good. Uh, I
2: appreciate that. Really good. What a record. Come on. Uh, yeah. No, it is. And,
1: and uh, like I said, I don't know. I can't imagine. I mean, I don't know. At this point in time, I don't know. There are people that are going to say, oh, e- they suck. Yellow suck. Who's going to say that? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, it's just-
2: <laughs> I a couple of people warned me not to do this. Really? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you saw the list. I'm not going to go over the list, but no, I had no. much more edgy. Right. Like- uh, obviously. Yeah. Edgy. More, no, but I was you know- so,
1: I was so happy and so excited when <laughs> When Me you, too.
2: I mean, you've never done an ELO record on this show. Am no, I correct about no. that? Yeah. They got to be on this show. I yeah, mean, for whether sure. we admit it or not, ELO got us high. They they did. And like, no matter w- if you care about rock music at all, you love this band, even a teeny bit. So no, I understand all the caveats, but I am very glad to be the one to bring this to your show. Yes, yes, I am. We, I am we so can glad. indulge all my pretensions later.
1: We can, yeah, of of course, <laughs> yeah, of course, and we, and we will, we definitely will, and uh, and you get to indulge. So, uh, so what else you got going on? You got, like I said, if you're into cameras, uh, oh, yes. I dream of cameras, and now it's on a real. You could just find it on a regular platforms. Before it was like you had to be a, uh, a tech uh, nerd. Yes, and, like, you did. find find where to listen to.
2: It. Yes, I do have this podcast about. Uh, particularly film cameras, uh, called I Dream of Cameras. You can find it. You can start at idreamofcameras.com. We have very good merch, but it's on every podcasting platform. We're about to record our 50th episode, which oh, is a big deal up to for a niche. That is awesome. Amazing. Jeff, that's amazing. Yeah, that in, is. in addition, I'm working on a new NBC sitcom starring John Cryer, which will be on this fall. Ooh, um, spoiler. Consulting alert. That's in awesome. the writer's room and also directing some episodes. And I'm working on a Christmas movie, which I am co-writing no, you're and not. am no, slated you're not. to direct. Oh, yes, I am. Because, you know, <laughs> the Jews the make Jew- all the good Jew- Christmas stuff. It's true. Uh, and it's true. this is for Christmas 2024. Uh, so wow, it's some distance that. from where we sit right now, but I'm working on that right now. So that's what's taking up most um, of my time these that, days. That's
1: awesome. And you did, uh, yeah, you recently did the um, spoken, well, not spoken. Uh,
2: Oh, oh, I did a call? performance. Yeah, yeah, the performance, Had a little which, monologue,
1: which was a very it, it was a very California like thing to do. But I was still kind of surprised that like you were doing it. I don't know. Um, I don't take offense well, at know, it or anything, but it was great. It was it was like it, thank you. moving uh, and
2: touching, and it was really good. Thanks. Uh, that was a I, it was supposed to be a one off, but I've now done it twice, so I guess it's a two off. Right. I did a monologue about the theme of pretending to be fine when you're not, yes. and how that relates to Joni Mitchell's song Big Yellow. <laughs> taxi. Um, so great. if you go to blue439.medium.com, you can read that essay, which I performed. And I don't know, performing, I'm not a performer. I've always chosen to use other folks. You say that. I don't know because, yeah, the very first time,
1: I'll, I'll tell everyone before, the first time I met Jeff, kind of met Jeff, he became a patron yeah. and then he submitted, started submitting to the patron episodes and I asked him if if he was a stand-up comedian or something. Are you
2: a stand-up? Um, and it's like, no. No. But, no, uh, never, no, never done that. But, but this is a, a late career renaissance, I guess. Good, I'm good, starting good. to use myself as an instrument in addition to other people. Yeah. Um, well, TV, yeah so well, well, I see. was going
1: to say uh, a TV's
2: dead, but no, I won't say that now because you're working <laughs> up. <laughs> but uh yeah so trying to trying to broaden the scope of my self-expression rob that's as we all are
1: yeah 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 we all are definitely and uh don't forget if you want to follow and see whatever the hell i'm doing you go to instagram and facebook it's at that got me high. also that facebook group got me high. on twitter it's at uh, Twitter. I, I I can't believe I, yeah. I still have a Twitter. I don't know why I do. It's at GRGMH podcast. You did right. Yeah, I think yeah, I'm. Yeah, but I, I think I'm gonna get off. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know what I think I'm missing at this point, but uh. <laughs> but most importantly, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to patreon.com yes. forward slash grgmh and become a patron. We uh, Jeff knows we do these uh, super fun patron episodes, and Jeff uh, usually uh, contributes, and he's awesome. He's uh, one of my favorite well i won't I, I i shouldn't say that because i look really we have really but i mean uh, they're really Everyone's good though great. right i mean most they people are great they're great uh, yeah and just great not just not just you know some people can talk more or better at talking than others but just the uh the the way people think out of the box for the themes and the songs that come up with is really great.
2: yeah I mean, I love this show. I'm very proud to be a patron of this show, and those patron curated episodes are among my favorites. So, awesome. I would also urge listeners to contribute. It's a great, great place. Well,
1: thank you very much. Maybe I'll make that, I'll pull that, and make it a little commercial or something. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Jeff, thanks again. Uh, like I said, thanks thank for bringing you, this record. It's always a pleasure. I'm gonna get out there and see you hopefully soon. I would love that. Yep, we're gonna do it. All right. This is Rob Elba. This is that record. I mean, I will see you all next week.